Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Tom Vettis with you this morning. We're taking your calls at 801 575 8255. You can text us at 57500. Our next listener, Ton, wants to know a little bit more about spot treatment for Spurge and Morning Glory in lawns. The weather is really hot right now and it's not really an ideal time to be spraying Mm -hmm. anything you know because temperatures above about 90 or 95 a lot of plants slow down and so the spurge is fairly heat tolerant but bindweed a little less so but i think the bigger danger is just going out and spraying and so for lawns about the only thing this time of year that you could use on a lawn is uh, something like from Image, all-in-one lawn weed killer, or possibly the company Roundup, or Scott's that makes Roundup, has a type of Roundup that's called Roundup for Lawns. And I, I hate that name because if you get the wrong Roundup, then you could kill your lawn out. But the Roundup for Lawns, or the image all-in-one lawn weed killers spot sprayed in the evening or early morning would be the best bet. Okay, I was taking a look at our YouTube channel to try and find your video on this. Um, Managing field bindweed, that's the one, not the one in gardens, right? Yeah, so these that would be for lawns. In gardens, then you can watch that video, but you can take clumps of bindweed and don't pull them out, but you want something that'll fit into a gallon Ziploc and you just shove that clump into the gallon Ziploc and put a little hole in it and then get a little like one gallon or one or two quarts pump sprayer and spray the roundup that you've mixed up into that sack and just let it sit for 24 hours. And because of the heat, I would recommend covering the sack with a piece of cardboard and kind of just securing it mm-hmm. to keep the bindweed cooler. Because if you that sack will heat up and the bindweed will die because of the heat. And so cover it with an old towel or a piece of cardboard and leave it for 24 hours. And that everywhere you do that in a flower bed, that roundup will kill the bindweed. And you can check out the video that is on YouTube, uh, the KSL Greenhouse page on YouTube. And I like on, on that how you walk through step by step. Because sometimes it's hard to follow and people aren't just writing down everything that you're saying. And uh, that's the great thing about some of our videos that you can find on YouTube. Let's go to our phone lines. Sherry's on the line in Orem. Good morning, Sherry. What was your question? Good morning. Um, I was looking on the Internet for some dwarf trees that I might could plant in my yard. And came across one called a kazuka pomegranate. I wondered if that's actually something you can grow here. It says you can. Oh, I pomegranates are always going to be a bit marginal. And there are some that are grown here in protected areas that are called Russian. Uh, they're not Russian hybrids, but Russian pomegranates. And they're the pomegranates from the farthest north areas that they grow. And even then they don't ripen until mid October at best. And so um, it's not one I would just plant and count on it growing. Now, if you had it 
on a patio in a protected area, it may go. But it's just one of those that when I have seen people plant them, we lose two out of three that are planted on average. All right. It sounds like I should move on to something else. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) So (laughs) we've done this experiment where um, you gave me a pomegranate that was an experimental. Yes, you have one called Solovatsky. Solovatsky. I actually transplanted it, Ton. It's doing great. Has a bud on it. Actually, has a flower on it. Now, I'm sure that it's not going to produce this year because I just barely transplanted yeah, and it. Yeah, and that's part of the problem is even though the plant may be hardy, if it's blooming in late July, the fruit's not going to ripen. Right, it's not enough time. Yeah, and so the one pomegranate that I have seen that the survivability seems to be a little better and it's likely to produce fruit. It's called Russian 21. And so if you are interested in getting a pomegranate, I would look for, and you may need to order it, order it online, but that Russian 21 seems to be the one that's a little more successful here. Remember, it's an experiment. That's all I have to say about that. Okay, Kay in Alpine is wondering, does she need to give her trees more water than usual because of the heat? No, not necessarily, but they do need to be watered correctly. But I find that a lot of homeowners just rely on their lawn sprinklers. And in a normal year, that's okay. But the last three years, we've been getting more and more 100 plus degree days. And so in the lawn, water is usual, but probably every two to three weeks, I would take a hose-in sprinkler under the canopy of the trees and go around under the canopy and just give that an extra drink and run that sprinkler for an extra half hour to 45 minutes just to get water deeper into the soil. On trees that are not uh, in the lawn, especially if you have them on drip, you have to pay attention because as those trees grow, those initial emitters you put out are not going to be sufficient even if you increase the runtime and you need to make concentric rings around the tree with more drip uh, to be under the canopy to keep the tree well watered. And in those situations, water every 7 to 10 days so that water penetrates about 18 to 24 inches into the soil. Our next text comes from a listener that's listening in Bridger, Wyoming. Uh, they planted banana squash uh, they planted two plants in their raised beds in the spring. They have a lot of flowers, no squash, and they know it's too late now to expect something to survive and mature this season. They're wondering, is there something they can do better to help grow some squash next year? They may want to start them indoor, and I don't. they may have already done this, in a container that's three or four or five inches deep because those squash are fairly deeply rooted. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be talking a little bit about this in the 10 o'clock hour on temperatures. And so get them planted out. And I'm assuming that their last frost somewhere between June 1st and June 15th, which shortens our season. And so if they're in raised beds, I might install some low tunnels or some hoops that they could drag plastic over to get this so that they stay in the 80s. Then that will come off. And then if we're above 90 consistently, maybe put some shade cloth over the same hoops 
to keep it cooler to increase flowers. So are they right to say that they're not, probably not going to get any squash this year? Uh, it's getting to the point their first frost is probably mid-September. It's mm. getting close. If they wanted to make a last-ditch effort, they could cover them with a, in the fall with the clear plastic and some hoops to get them an extra month. But if there's two kinds of flowers, there's the male and female. The male flowers are going to be smaller. And so what they'll carefully do is cut away the petals without harming the middle of the flower. And then they need to go to the bigger female flowers that are going to be double or triple the size and rub those on each other and see if they can get some pollination that way. Okay. Jeannie is on the line in South Jordan. Good morning, Jeannie. What was your question? Hi. Um, I'm just wondering if someone can tell me about planting micro clover in South Jordan. I'd like to use some of it in my Xeriscape, and I haven't had much luck so far. Your Xeriscape would become I have to waterscape. Oh, really? Micro clover will not survive the summer without irrigation, and you would... Well, I was, I mean, what I'd read was that you have to water it once. I mean, once it gets going, you have to water it maybe once a week or something. Yeah, that's about right. You need to water it deeply. I don't know. I mean, micro clover Mm -hmm. is one of those things that are not researched very well in Utah, and our turf specialist isn't sold on it as being this great replacement for lawns. Now, if you're just using it as a ground cover, that's fine. But if you're expecting to be able to walk all over it all the time, kids playing sports on it, it will not hold up. Right. I was thinking of just doing like a big circle somewhere and having, you know, just to have a green patch in the middle of the the rocks and other things we're doing for Xeriscape. So, yeah, the... You may need to order it online, and as long as you're willing to water it to get established and water it weekly, it should be okay. Will it winter over? It, yes, it will, especially with snow cover. Okay, when's a good time to plant that? The best times to plant are in mid to late April and sometime in late August, so that as okay. it cools down, it can get its roots established. Okay, so, I mean, just for an experiment, it's worth trying. Is that yeah, what you're saying? It's, it's fine. And as, if it's watered weekly, once it's established, you'll need to water it more often, probably right, to get it going next year. But if you're willing to water it weekly, that should be fine. Okay. Um, that's, oh, one more thing. How, how, do you know how much, I mean, how to spread it, like? Uh, the many seeds are going to be, or... you're just going to have to look at the instructions on the package. It's just mm-hmm. one of these things that it's not really well-researched in Utah, but the package okay. will have a good seeding rate on it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. All right, Janie. Thanks for your call this morning. We need to take a break. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. Michael, Jenny, you are up next. The number to text us, 57500. Good morning. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. You can text us at 57500 or you can call 801-575-8255. Michael is on the line in Provo. Good morning, Michael. What was your question? Hi, yeah. I have uh, four rose bushes along the fence line in my backyard. They're probably about 10, spaced 10 feet apart. And I, I've lived here for the last four years, and two of them create amazing blooms, no problem. The other two grow like crazy. They have, like, 
10, 15 foot long canes, but rarely any kind of bloom. Is there something I can do to promote that to flower again, or is it a kind of a tear it out and replace it kind of thing? Well, do they flower in the spring once? Uh, uh, not really. I mean, maybe like every once, like, so I've been here four years, so probably I'd say grand total of 10 buds between the two plants in the last four years. So I'm going to have you try something kind of as a last ditch effort. Don't prune them at all until next year after they leaf out. And, you know, we usually get a really heavy rose bloom sometime in early to mid June. And Mm -hmm. don't, and I'm one, the only thing I can figure is that the flower buds are being cut off because some roses Mm. only bloom once a year on one year old wood. And if they don't bloom next year and you haven't touched them, then I would probably rip them out and find some repeat blooming roses. Okay. Okay. So don't even, cause I believe you're usually supposed to like cut them down. Don't late do it. Winter, so don't, don't do that. Don't okay. do it. All right. I will. And just let I them go. You, you might take a lawn chair out there and just sit by them drinking some lemonade, <laughs> reminding them of what's going to happen if they don't bloom. <laughs> just be ominous. Have some head some shears next threats. to you. Okay. Yes. Yeah, maybe play right, some, right. you know, Hell's Bells from ACDC and <laughs> just threaten them that way. No, um, that's yeah. that would be the thing. Have you pruned them much this year? Um, not a whole lot. No. Okay, good. Well, sorry, I kind of did an experiment. One of them I kind of cut down. The other one it still has those really long canes. Okay, leave the canes alone. I know that I'm going against like standard rose practices, but this will tell you if they are a single, like an heirloom rose that blooms off one-year-old wood. Okay, and then if they do bloom next year, you know, it's kind of unwieldy to have 15 foot long so, roses. Yeah. What you would need to do is adopt a pruning style called renewal pruning to where you would take about 25 to 30% of the canes out from the middle. that are the oldest canes and leave the younger ones behind. And then as soon as they're done blooming, you can give them a light haircut besides that. Okay. Okay, great. I will give that a try. Okay. All right, Michael, thanks for your call this morning. Next listener, Ton, wants to know what to do about spider mites on flowers. It's neem oil or triple action, something with horticultural soap or a horticultural oil in it. I actually like the horticultural soaps a little bit better. They're not quite as messy or stinky as, say, neem oil. But you would need to spray the undersides of the leaves, especially every three or four days for two or three weeks to really get a handle on them. Do they like tomatoes? They can. They, uh, they, you will see them in tomatoes. But every two or three days. Okay, I need to spray again. Okay. Maybe every three or four, mm-hmm. just according to label. Okay. Jenny is on the line in Syracuse. Good morning, Jenny. What was your question? Good morning. I live um, in Syracuse below the bluff. Um, northwest, closer to West Point area. And my question is, is we don't have any trees in our yard, but I don't want to put a tree because, I mean, we have some space, but we don't have space to put a giant tree. And so I want to put a tree that will provide shade, but I don't want it too giant. 
but I knowing that the soil is just unique and it has an attitude of its own, I'd like to make sure that the soil is or that the tree that I put there is the best type of soil. How big can the tree get? Um, let's see, my front yard or backyard, we'd, I'd probably say you could go, I'd say maybe 20 feet okay. to 25 feet diameter. That's workable. So let me give you, below the bluff, are you on former areas that were never farmed besides pastures? New or... development. It's, it's been, it was new development four years ago. Okay. So do you <laughs> so know was, if there are old farm, alfalfa but... fields or... I'm surrounded by alfalfa. Okay. That's a good sign because alfalfa doesn't tolerate poor soil. And so let me give you a few you can look at. Now there's Canada red choke cherry, which is going to be the fastest to reach the 20 feet, but it can get some root suckers on it. And so you'll be cutting those back once a month for the life of the tree once it's established. So that's one spring snow crab apple would be another. Okay. That's a white flowering fruitless tree. Then Merrilee, M-E-R-I-L-E-E, crabapple is also fruitless and fits okay. the bill. Uh, one I really like that does get a little bit of fruit, but the birds pick it all off, is called Royal mm-hmm. Raindrops crabapple. Okay. And it has burgundy leaves all summer. It's slow, though, compared to the other ones. Okay. So those would be four that you could try out right there that would give you spring flowers, very little mess. Uh, that would do the job. Another one that they do get fruit that drops in the winter would be something like Washington Hawthorn. Okay. But all those trees, yeah, will tolerate your soil. They're durable. They're pretty good off patios. They won't heave cement. So hopefully those will, one of those will fit. Perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, Jenny, thanks for calling this morning. I'm going to try and squeeze in this next question. When is the best time to cut a maple tree root that is going under the cement? When it is dormant. So if they did, if they have to do it now, go for it. But if they can wait sometime in late November to early March. Okay, we're going to take a break for the top of the hour news. When we come back on the KSL Greenhouse, the top of the hour feature heat problems in gardening. We know people are having a lot of heat problems right now. And if you missed our plan of the week, it is the hardy hibiscus, and you can find an article on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page. And the number to call with your questions when we come back, 801-575-8255. And you can text us your questions at 575 